0: Welcome to the Common Good Podcast. The podcast that showcases the very best of Glasgow Caledonian University and how the institution, its staff and its research benefits people and communities, both at home and overseas. My name is Craig Telfer and today I am delighted to be joined by Susan Grant to talk about her role as GCU's Community and Public Engagement Coordinator and how she embodies our mission as a university for the common good. Susan, thank you very much for talking to me today.
1: Good morning and thank you for inviting me, Craig.
0: The pleasure's all mine, Susan. The pleasure's all mine. And I'm going to start with quite a big question, but tell me about your role at GCU. We've mentioned you're the Community and Public Engagement Coordinator, but what does that mean?
1: I've actually worked at GCU now for nearly 20 years in January, which I can't believe. Um, And for a big part of that time, I was working in outreach with schools. And then for the last eight years in this current role, I see my role as connecting community and university in ways that allow, you know, mutual benefit. So enhancing the work that's already going on at the university in terms of learning and teaching and hopefully influencing the work that's happening as well from the perspective of community because of these engagements and working with community organisations to help them achieve their aims usually in terms of improving the health and well-being of their communities and tackling poverty and reducing inequalities.
0: So why is it important then that universities engage with the wider community?
1: I mean, there's a move across all areas of society now that we, of course, should be engaging the very people who are perhaps the end users of research or are affected most by the decisions that are made. So there's a move to community participation in, in all sectors, um, but especially within the universities and the, and the funders of research are demanding this too, that we don't wait till the last minute till we start talking to people for whom our work is going to matter. Uh, we have to do that at a much earlier stage and throughout the process. And community engagement is the way that universities can have more effective knowledge exchange. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's really important that we're, that we're looking outside, that we're understanding the actual issues that people on the ground are facing, mm-hmm. um, and that we're able to respond to them quickly.
0: You mentioned, Susan, you've been at the university for 20 years, you started off working in outreach before moving on to your current role. How has the nature of engagement changed over the past two decades?
1: I mean, certainly within this current role, I've, I've seen a big change in the culture at the university at the beginning I probably did a lot of chasing people and trying to convince people of the value of this work because obviously people are you know really busy and they've all got their own objectives to achieve and but I've I've seen that shift happen and I now see more people come to me Mm -hmm. because they recognize the value in engaging with the public and they want to do it and so we can work together to find creative ways of reaching these new audiences and um, so yeah I have seen a, a change and then you know prior to this role I was working within the Caledonian club and yeah. you know that really was a big change from the university that obviously the principal um, started because it was putting core funding and um, core resources behind it and it was almost not just saying that we're a university for the common good, but showing that we are. And, and obviously in lots of different ways too. And I think that community engagement is doing that. It's, um, it's enhancing the staff and the student experience because it's giving tangible examples of how they are living the mission and the values.
0: It sounds like people who come to you sound like they have a, a really good time working alongside you and working with the projects and working with the wider community.
1: For me, the biggest reward that I can have in my role is to get positive feedback both from the audience that we've designed the projects for, because obviously that's critical, but also it is as much as public engagement is a two-way process, and so it is as much about what is of benefit to the university too, and that's the university is the people. Yeah. So when I get emails or when students or staff tell me that the experience of working with community has perhaps changed how they work or given them um, new insight or new ideas or something that they want to then go on and do and how much they've sort of valued that experience. Mm -hmm. That is the biggest reward for me.
0: Roughly, how many projects do you think you've worked on since you've been at the university?
1: I think since 2012, I've delivered well over 200 activities and by (laughs) activities that can be projects that maybe go on over a few weeks or a few months, it could be one-off events and although the one-off events they're usually with a partner that's a long-term partner and it's part of a more long-term sustained relationship and it could be training and support as well because it's all very well creating opportunities for staff and students to be involved in community and public engagement, but then they must feel supported in order to do that um, and support each other as well. Mm-hmm. So activities is a very broad range of things.
0: Tell you me know about the team that you work with, Susan.
1: So I actually don't have a team as such. Ah, in the right. <laughs> um, a I Um I am time. in public engagement, <laughs> <however>. <laughs> In these past eight years, I have worked with over, oh, either directly engaged or supported the engagement of over 22,000 members of the public. And obviously, I couldn't do that by myself. Yeah. And I do it because I work in partnership with people within the university and outside of the university. And certainly in the last few months, especially, it's sort of highlighted to me that my external connections are just as valuable Mm -hmm. as the internal connections. So yes, it's it's working in partnership with people, not just in terms of resources to deliver activities, but in terms of sharing venues and getting catering, getting volunteers involved. Mm -hmm. So, because it's not a big budget that we're working with. So it's just what, It's what individuals can bring and what groups can bring and what the institutions can bring and organisations.
0: What kind of metrics are you measured by? What constitutes a successful project for you?
1: So it's really varied because it depends who the audience are. So it's not suitable all the time to be handing out questionnaires, for example, at the end of an activity. You want people to feel comfortable and you want them to return to a similar event again and so if there's difficulties with um language or with literacy um or just feeling like they're being researched in any way or you know then then that's not always appropriate sometimes it is appropriate to use questionnaires a lot of the time it's actually just about talking to people and observing and and speaking to the partners and finding out how how they think it went and And using learning from the experiences, to you know, for future activities, and then it's looking at what happened immediately after the activity, what happened further down the line, what links were made that the university has continued, um, what happened with the work that was created, how did it feed into live research, or how did it influence future work, and what were the outputs? Was there A video that was then used in a funding application for a community Mm. group or so there's not a standard measurement it's each project it's looking at different ways of capturing evidence if you like right okay um to to demonstrate the value of that activity and then sometimes there just isn't a measurement for it (laughs) Uh, you know where the projects are about making connections are about um, enhancing the reputation of the university and that's difficult to measure but if, right. if you know GCU because they've been coming out in the community and running some talks and then you know your child is thinking about going to university and you recognise that name that, that you know that's difficult to, to kind of measure.
0: Of course. So, Susan, how does the process of community engagement actually work? How do you decide which people and organisations to get involved with? Do you approach them or would they come to you with a proposition or an initiative?
1: Well, certainly all of the activities are generated from the partnerships that I have. So where they are recognising a need or something that we can help each other with. And in terms of how, you know, create those partnerships is from networking so I would attend you know community networking events and just talk to lots of people at the university talk to lots of people outside and sometimes there's no an obvious reason why you would want to work together but you know that there's a similar set of shared values or you're working towards similar objectives and you Mm -hmm. think that something might come up in the future and so quite often it works like that you know I'll hear something else and I'll think of them Right. or I'm quite often approached um, to see if I can broker connections for staff or for students and so it's thinking about what is it they're looking to do what kind of audience are they looking for and then you know asking if this is something that would would be suitable and then working with the partner to develop it up into a project.
0: So networking is a very important part of your job then
1: as plenty of members of staff at uni will probably testify, you know, it's stopping people in, in the, the canteen <laughs> or out on the campus. And, and those are the, the richest conversations I have um, or chance meetings when you hear something and they say it's the same out in the community. So unless you understand what the issues actually are, then you, you don't know how you can respond to mm-hmm. them. So yeah, a big part of my job is just talking to people, listening, and then coming up with creative ways to respond to the issues that are that are coming up and then influencing people <laughs> to, <laughs> yeah, to come on board and work together to, to deliver a project. That's what I'm missing most at the moment is yeah. the ability to to be on the ground and mm-hmm. to hear what's going on. Yeah, of um, course. When we're working more yeah. isolated.
0: I was actually going to ask you about that later on, but we might as well come to it now, Susan. How have you been finding things since, since March, since the, the pandemic became a, a national concern?
1: At the beginning, I was just thinking, how can I even do my job? Because for years, what I've been trying to do is the things we were not allowed to do, which was physically bring people together and have hands-on interactive activities Mm -hmm. and share food and have tea and cakes and talk. So in the first instance, I had to obviously cancel a lot of activity that I was used to deliver, probably with over a thousand members of the public that last semester, it's the busiest time. Lots of the science activities run Mm -hmm. then, the Community Science Day, for example. And at the same time, I was reaching out to partners to see can, can I help? Um, I felt like I wanted to do something that contributed to the response of the pandemic in a, a small way and that really helped me because I started volunteering and it was more like what I was used to doing, that I'm used to going to community, I'm used to, you know, helping people mm-hmm. and so that really helped until I could get my head around how community public engagement can function within the restrictions. Mm-hmm. So I was, you know, it was a conscious effort to keep in touch with external partners, to keep in touch with colleagues that I work with within the university, but also the networks that I'm part of across the UK and in Scotland and particularly in Glasgow. Yeah. So people that do my job in other universities, they were the best source of support because they really understood Course, yeah. Situation we were all in, and it's through these conversations that we that we started to see, you know, chink of light, and we started to see ways in which we could move forward and continue the work.
0: So then, what are some of the solutions that you and your fellow community engagement officers came up with?
1: The obvious answer was to move things online, and I looked at the work that I had been due to deliver to see what what could immediately move online? Because in the early stages, moving community engagement online wasn't going to work. Um, People weren't connected in terms of having the devices that would be required to join online events. Many of the members of the community and the communities I work with are living in flats, for instance, and the Wi-Fi just isn't strong enough to power the whole flat in the evening or whenever. But more than that, the main issue for my community partners at first was actually just getting basic food and vital su- support to people. And so that was really the, the other stuff was, was not the priority. Mm-hmm. Um, also, some of my partners had staff that were furloughed as well. So it was the, the one thing that could continue at the, at the very beginning um, was the three-minute thesis competition. Of course, yeah. That you know well, because you've supported it <laughs> for the last six years at DCU, so you know with the graduate school and we, we spoke to different members of staff in the university we put a wee poll out on Twitter we talked to some students and the consensus was yeah let's let's go for it let's move it online in April uh, for the development sessions and then the final um, which was streamed on, on YouTube and it was just a chance to bring people together and to celebrate the research that's going on at the university and the fantastic students behind that work. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was something that immediately could, could move online, whereas the rest of the projects have taken a bit of time to make sure that um, the audience is going to be able to engage with it.
0: Of course, I. Now let talk to you about a couple of projects you've worked on, Susan. There, there was that many to choose from, so I've only picked two that to me really stood out. One of them is the Food for Thought initiative. And that's a talk series that discusses issues relative to people's lives, followed by dinner and discussion. And that went in front of the Deputy First Minister, John Swinney. Could you, you tell me about that?
1: Yeah, So I've been working with Queens Cross Housing Association for the last three years, and with the partnerships, it's really good if you can have a live. Um, project that runs to keep that partnership going and from there lots of other opportunities can come Uh, and so the project that we developed together was food for thought the housing association had had identified various issues within their own tenants and the wider community that they serve and so it was things like lots of people were living by themselves so this was going back three years even they were thinking this uh, there was an element of social isolation There was issues of food poverty and, you know, people did want to have interesting learning experiences, so we decided to start a talk series with different researchers speaking each time, but always on issues which are relevant to people's lives, just highlighting to the public that the research going on at the university does concern you. and you can have a voice in it and you can contribute to it and so we have a talk from the researcher and then we have dinner together that's where the food part comes in and it's all cooked in the community venues um, and it's lovely home-cooked food and that's usually where the best discussion happens Mm -hmm. so researchers have said to me that they get perspectives and questions that they wouldn't normally get in, in other situations um, where they were sharing their research. And earlier this year, just before the lockdown, University of Scotland were having their annual um, reception at the Scottish Parliament. And it was all about universities and their communities and the impact that they were making. And so that was a project that um, represented GCU that evening and people from Queen's Scottish Association and myself were there. Um, and so that's the, the photograph you'll refer to with. Deputy First Minister.
0: Excellent, another project you've also spent a lot of time working on is with Cricket Scotland. Now cricket is perhaps a sport that's not widely played in this country and I know you're working with Cricket Scotland to help diversify it and make it available for more people. Can you talk to me a wee bit about that?
1: Again, that's a long-term partnership that mm-hmm. the university have had with Cricket Scotland and it's about using sport as a vehicle for engagement and bringing people together. Um, and to improve the health and well-being of young people, in particular with the Wickets Programme, but also adults with the Ball League that my colleague Amar started um, three years ago. And it's for the university, um, through the cricket partnership and through the work that we're doing, um, we're engaging with more black and minority ethnic and migrant and refugee communities in Mm -hmm. Glasgow. For some of these communities, cricket is a big sport and Cricket Scotland recognise this, but their, their board and their staff probably weren't reflective of, of their player body mm-hmm. and so they made a conscious effort to, to change that and Amar's done amazing work to to get so many young people and adults across the city regularly playing cricket and then having life skills workshops at the end of the cricket. So it's not just about the the sport itself. And I've been able to bring students and staff into these workshops. So taking different role models to the young people, Mm -hmm. sharing different careers and doing fun activities to help understand what the subject is. So that's been really fun. And this month that's going to start online as well so Mm -hmm. although some of the cricket is back in person because the young people are under 12 and they're able to play it's outdoors they're playing Mm -hmm. so we decided to hand out resources to them on the weekend well the coaches will hand it out um, Mm -hmm. and then they'll take that home and then the following week we'll have an online workshop with the young people in their own homes but using the resources in the packs Excellent. Um, to run it.
0: Is there any projects that you're particularly proud of? I mean, there's more than 200 to choose from, but is there one, Susan, that, that really sticks out for you?
1: Oh, my goodness. I mean, I am, I am looking forward to seeing how the cricket project goes because it's been developed by the students and the staff. So, for instance, it's all about vitamin D, and it's the dietetic students that have developed the first workshop and the second workshop all about mental health. And well-being and it's with the psychology researchers and staff so it'd be good to see how that goes because they've really related it to cricket as well which is yeah. brilliant because when we're doing training of public engagement you would always say you know to try and design things which are going to have resonance with your audience and uh, going to connect with them so that's a brilliant way of doing it introducing vitamin d and bones through, mm-hmm. through cricketers but i suppose that the The biggest highlights over the last few years, anyway, have been the community science days, or the citizen science days. Of course, um,
0: yeah.
1: because it's not just about the one-off weekend that the event runs. So the event runs on a Friday and a Saturday in a community venue, and it's taking science and research to where people are in their in their communities and inspiring young people about careers in STEM, but bringing the families with them as well. Um, but it's not just about that weekend, it involves months and months of work in the lead up to it to be out and about in the community, making relationships, getting to know people, getting to know how community groups want to be involved in the event. Well, first of all, finding out if they want the event and how they want it to work and then what each of us can contribute to it because we have about 40 volunteers on the day, staff, students and community partners um, delivering the event and local businesses and different things supporting it and then you you hope the hope is that these connections exist beyond the event itself and so it's it's not just a one-off event but the actual events themselves have just been brilliant seeing you know i can't imagine it now 300 people together in a space (laughs) like another world now but seeing 300 people with so excited about these different learning opportunities. And as with all of the community engagement, of course there is food or tea or coffee or whatever. It's, that's a big part of it because people stay and chat over foods and some families, the usually last like about three hours and there's some families that stay for the whole time. And so, so that probably they're the, the Biggest highlight over the last few years, just because so many people across the university mm-hmm. are involved, and I do work across the university in all the different disciplines. But with the STEM network, it's bringing people from the disciplines together yeah. to deliver an event, um, and I'll, I just love seeing that, and that's been great fun. Listen
0: to you talk; you're very passionate about what you do. You're very passionate about linking the university to the community, and it really sounds as though your role, as we said at the start, really embodies the university's mission. For the common good?
1: I would like to think so Um I absolutely believe in the mission as a university and as a public funded body of course we should be sharing our resources our people our skills but much more than that it completely adds value and enhances the experience we all have by being able to do this kind of work for the common good so yeah I would, I would like to think that um, some small part of the big mission in the university and helping others to to be part of that too
0: susan that was an absolute pleasure talking to you thank you very much for your time today
1: okay that's no problem okay thanks very much that
0: flew in (laughs) yeah absolutely it's always it's always great if someone's really passionate about their work and they can communicate it then that's exactly what we're looking to do in the podcast so thank you very
1: much i honestly thought that was going to be (laughs) 10 minutes
0: I'd also like to thank everyone for listening to this episode and I do hope you can join us again soon when we'll be talking with another member of staff from Glasgow Caledonian University. In the meantime, please subscribe to this podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you're listening to us from. Until then, I've been Craig Telfer and this has been Common Good Podcast.